And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning you know i don't do this year round to come in and not make the playoffs i'm sick of that shit and uh i want to keep winning you're listening to the state of the nation with jimmy durkin vic tafer Tashawn reed and ted nguyen on the athletic podcast network what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the state of the nation here on the athletic podcast network i am jimmy durkin joined as always by vic tafer Tashawn reed and ted Wynn. Calling this our official season preview edition, and uh, hopefully you guys noticed we uh, made a little addition uh, last week. I think to the intro to the pod. I uh, hope you guys. Normally, when we make any tweaks to the the intro, we hear complaints. Uh, heard no complaints, so uh, I think everybody's on board with uh, with our new addition to the uh, intro. You're very proud of that addition. You have mentioned it like several times. We didn't tell anybody last week. I was waiting to see if anybody would notice. Nobody, uh, nobody said anything, but. Uh... We we needed a new voice in there. We I mean we we kept having to delete voices from there from people who were no longer with the organization. Uh, we needed to add somebody else to it, and uh, I think we made the right choice. Sounds good to me. Well, uh, I mean, maybe a year from now we can add another voice if uh, he has a long term extension. But uh, at least for twenty twenty three, Josh Jacobs is a Raider. Uh, they agreed to a restructured deal one year up to twelve million kind of a, a meet in the middle type of place where obviously Jacobs wanted the long-term extension, long-term security. That didn't happen. That wasn't going to happen. It couldn't happen after they failed to meet that July 17th deadline. The Raiders always kind of privately expressed that they felt like he would be here before the season started. And now they, they got him here. They, you know, agreed two weeks before the season. So they, they get him for a couple practices this week and they'll have him a uh, full go ready to go week one. Yeah, man. It's all hugs and smiles now. Everything is great. It could have turned ugly. I mean, we all we have to do is look at the Colts to get an example of that. But, you know, they ended up, like you said, sort of meeting in the middle. Um, and I, I know people kind of look at it on its face and they're like, uh, you know, I mean, what's the difference between 12 and 10? Well, I mean, $2 million isn't nothing. But also, I think, you know, when you look ahead to the future, you know, while they can franchise tag him again now, if they did, they would have to pay him at least, I believe it's around $14.1 million, which... That's a pretty nice chunk of change and, and probably lowers the chances of him getting tagged again. And so there's also sort of a, a future play here with Jacobs. But, you know, I think all things considered, uh, it's a pretty decent outcome for both sides. Josh said there were no hard feelings um, right now, which I think is accurate. I think what happened in the past is in the past. And what will happen next year is next year. So right now I'm going to worry about these 17 games. And I think he'll be ready to go by the opener. So I think um, I'll get the ball a lot. I think that's the plan. So I think as of right now, everything's hunky-dory. I do wonder about his workload in week one, though, because football shape is different. I mean, I'm sure he's working hard to be in shape, but no offseason, no preseason, not being in football shape. I wonder if they kind of lightened the workload um, a little bit more than we've seen from Jacobs just to you know prevent him from getting hurt 
Yeah, and I think especially at the running back position, you know, it's different if you're talking about like Nick Bosa as an edge rusher where you can you can step right in and probably play most of the snaps. But as, as a running back, when you're getting hit that much, you would think, I don't expect a 25-carry game or anything out of him, you would think it would be a little bit lighter. I mean, you would just think in general the, the philosophy going into this season is that they want to see a little bit more of Zamir White just to be able to know if that's a guy they're going to be able to rely on in the future. Um, and so lightening Jacobs work a little, at least at their early part of the season to get white out there a little bit more would seem to make sense we'll see I mean you know obviously as a running back you know at least this year I don't think we were going to see Josh Jacobs playing in the preseason anyway um outside of maybe that that one game they suited up against the Cowboys for a series but you know that, that I think you know going into last year one of the big adjustments he made was being more intentional about his, his fitness, both from a diet and workout standpoint. And he looks looks pretty good out there. Like you said, there's going to be a ramp up process when it comes to conditioning, but he does have two weeks of practices. And so, you know, he might, you know, maybe a few less carries, but I don't think he's going to have like a greatly reduced workload where he's limited to like 15 carries or something of that nature. Obviously, a lot of that depends on the game flow and, you know, how successful they are running the ball and things of that nature. But um, I think he'll be he'll be pretty close um, to to full strength against the Broncos. But like you said, I mean, it would, it would be good if if Zamir White is able to you know get more than seventeen carries this year. But I think the big thing for him when it comes to getting on the field is progressing, you know, more as a, a pass protector and a route runner. Because um, right now, I mean, really, Amir Abdullah is still the third down running back, and you know, Josh Jacobs, he's not a guy that takes a breather too often. And, and if you're not the third down running back, you know, it's kind of hard to find a a place for carries to fit in there. And so. I think he, you know, ironically has to improve his games in other ways besides carrying the ball in order for his, his carries to go up this season. Yeah, I would say even carrying the ball, I wasn't terribly impressed this preseason. I know it's only preseason. I know it's not his, you know, O-line I'll have during the regular games. But I don't know if I really saw him take another step this preseason as far as being a guy you can think of as a potential number one back. So I think you know, the jury's still out on that, and we'll see this season if he gets more touches, what he can do with him. But uh I'm not sure the Raiders really have any idea what they want, what they think will happen with him this year and, and going forward. They don't have too much attachment to draft picks from last year. I mean, they traded Neil Farrell, defensive tackle, to the Chiefs. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick for a sixth-round pick. And um, they cut Matthew Butler, who was a fifth-round pick last year. Um, they they re-signed him back to the practice squad. But Zamir White was their, their second pick last year in, in the fourth round. And, you know, that, while that's, you know, decent you know amount of investment, like they aren't just going to give him – a role or, or carries just because, you know, and like you said, if he isn't more impressive when he does get his opportunities, then it's probably going to be another light workload this year. And so this is more of a wait and see thing with, with Zamir. Right, well, let's talk a little bit about the initial 54 man roster, uh, not a 53 man roster for the Raiders because Josh Jacobs does have that roster exemption. Uh, do we know when that expires? When do they have to, uh, to drop one more guy? I haven't got a straight answer, but I think it's sometime before the first game. So I think it's maybe a few days before the opener, but no one was uh, with the Raiders. I asked was quite certain of the exact uh, date, so we'll have to wait and see. Well, I mean, in terms of surprises from the initial roster, um, you know, the receiver position was one that kind of going in, we were targeting. You know, you kind of had you had the first five established with established with Adams, Myers, Renfro, Tucker, and Carter, and you know, there was Philip, the two veterans, basically Philip Dorsett, Keelan Cole, and then Christian Wilkerson. And that's where they went with. They went with Christian Wilkerson. Um, Philip Dorsett is, uh, uh, was cut, and then he signed not with the Broncos active roster. He went to the Broncos practice squad. Uh, they did get Cole back on the, on the practice squad. But um, is losing Dorsett to the Broncos, is that a, is that a big deal? Is, is that, a, that a big loss? Or, I mean, are we just talking about, hey, if he was the seventh or eighth receiver, it's, it's not that big of a deal? 
I think it's kind of funny. I think the Broncos definitely seem to be in the Raiders' business. I think you look at Jared Stidham, the Raiders made him an offer they thought might might work, and the Broncos topped it. I think with Dorsett, the plan was to have him on, on their practice squad. I got to activate for, you know, for game days. They like the speed and his former Patriot, all that stuff. So I kind of thought they might be able to get clever and, and not use the spot on him and still have him. Obviously, that backfire. I'm not saying Dorsett's a huge a huge guy and it's going to turn a division one way or the other, but I just think it is kind of funny that Broncos seem to be kind of poking at the Raiders a little bit as far as what they may have planned and kind of getting in the way and saying, nah, not so fast. We're going to take your number two quarterback and we're going to take your number five receiver. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge deal. I do think it adds a little bit more pressure to Trey Tucker um, to be able to contribute in year one. I mean, he's really the only guy that has like exceptional speed in their receiver room. Like, you know, DeAndre Carter is a, I think he's more shifty than, than fast. He's good with the ball in his hands, but uh, I think they, you know, need Tucker to, to step up more in that role in terms of being a field stretcher. And, you know, Jimmy G isn't a guy that is known for throwing deep a whole bunch, but you're going to have to take at least a few shots, obviously. Otherwise, defense is just going to sit on everything underneath. And so, you know, he had a, a kind of so-so preseason, I would say. Like, he, you know, you saw the explosion and, you know, some of the athleticism that makes him attractive, but he kind of struggled with drops at times. Didn't have as much consistently consistency as he would like to see, and so I think that's that's more so where where my focus goes more so than Dorsett. And then we also got to say, you know, Christian Wilkerson, who who made the roster. I mean, they were concerned about him getting claimed on waivers, and, and that contributed to the, the decision to release Dorsett as well. And um, he had a pretty impressive preseason. Um, you know, he's one of the, the few receivers they have who's over six feet tall. You know, he's he's pretty solid blocker, can play inside, outside, and had over 100 yards in the final preseason game. And so I think that ultimately made the difference and, and led to them, you know, feeling comfortable risking Dorsett. I mean, looking around the rest of the roster, uh, you know, Vic, you kind of had identified this one as a possibility going into cut down day that Alex Bars would not, you know, not only have lost his starting job, but not make the team. That is the case. He did not make the team and at least to this point uh, has not been signed to their practice squad or any practice squad, I don't believe. He's he's still out there available. Um, I know you kind of saw this coming, but uh, should there be any surprise factor that, you know, he has, that they haven't brought him back to the practice squad? No, I think, I mean, I think he was kind of a fill-in guy who kind of had to take on a bigger role last year. Like they weren't totally, obviously, in love with the way he played. I think, but he is a very popular guy in the locker room. He definitely was a good glue guy. Got, everyone liked him. He definitely fit in well with the old line. So I'm sure that was a factor. And I really didn't see Jordan Meredith being the guy that would take the backup spot. That kind of surprised me. But I did think that if Bars didn't win the starting job, he probably wouldn't be around. He's not really a guy you can develop. He is kind of, you know, I don't want to ever limit a guy, but he is what he is. Kind of. He's not going to get better. He's not, not going like, to work with him and he'll take strides in this game. He's kind of a established, you know, fill-in guy. So I feel bad for him, but I think when they brought in Greg Van Rotten, you kind of saw the writing on the wall that, you know, his time was uh, about up. Yeah, I think to me the, the first signal that something was amiss there was when Dylan Parham got hurt, you know, apparent head injury a couple weeks ago, and the first guard off the bench was uh, Moody instead of Bars, and that was kind of intriguing. And then in practice, you saw that, you know, Bars was really strictly working with the backups and wasn't really getting those opportunities rotating with the first team anymore. Um, like you said, M- Meredith was, was a surprise, though. I mean, last week at practice, he kind of started to work in with the first-team offensive line while while Parham was still out. But I hadn't really seen that much from him that, like, make him a standout or anything of that nature. And But, you know, I mean, it you know it's not a permanent thing. They did keep McClendon Curtis and Moody around on the practice squad. And so we'll see if, if maybe that backup guard position is more of a rotational role for them this season. But... 
uh, just kind of overall, it's kind of hard to, to feel good about their guard depth right now. Um, that's still a position where, you know, I, I think they uh, might might look at an outside addition there potentially. I, I believe one of the waivers that they tried to claim was a guard who got cut by the Bills. And so I'm not so sure, you know, that's, that's not a position where you might not try to add somebody else because it's looking pretty thin in terms of the quality of the depth that they have there. Yeah, with Meredith, he is a guy that does have some center experience. And so, I mean, obviously, we I think we know it, the true backup center on this team would be Dylan Parham, you know, if you, if you needed a guy to start a game. But certainly, yeah, they, they had, you know, they didn't keep Grosu. Uh, if something happens in a game to Andre James, you know, how much shifting do you want to do? Do you want to bring in a guy that that just fills in for James at center? Or do you want to put in a guy at guard and move Parham over to center, um, you know, it can be tricky in game, but uh, he, he does have some center experience. So uh, I guess that could be a factor there. Um, but all right, you, you mentioned the defensive tackles, um, trading Neil Farrell, cutting Matthew Butler, bringing him back to the practice squad. You know, we, we can talk about what that means for, you know, the first draft of Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. But, you know, it, it's also um, a sign of uh, Nesta Jade Silvera. Uh, you know, he was a guy that, that was able to come into this camp and, um, push those guys ultimately off the roster by earning himself a, a spot on the initial 53. Yeah, I thought Nesta, obviously, we wrote about it. He had a really good camp. I think he made some plays in that last game, which maybe scared him. Like, they thought maybe they might be able to get him through waivers and back in the practice squad. But when you make the, you know, those last, that last game was not worth much. But if you're making plays, people around the league notice. They're like, hey, who's that, who's that guy? You know, so I just think maybe that was, uh, that kind of made him a spot in the roster. But clearly a guy who has a good, like Max talk, talked about it, a great motor, has a kind of nasty attitude, wants to improve, make plays, and, and plays with a chip on his shoulder, which is what do you want in those kind of guys. And I wasn't surprised that he made it. I was more surprised that Adam Butler was a guy who made it. But he had a good camp, and there's so many good players. I mean, it sounds weird to say that, but the whole D-line was pretty impressive. He won through like 13 or 14 guys played well in camp in game, so I'm sure it was a tough call. And I think they went with, uh, with Adam Butler over their own guy, uh, Matt Butler, who actually, like you said, came back in the practice squad. Yeah, Adam Butler surprised me a little bit. Like, I don't think he had flashed as much as maybe some of the other defensive linemen. But, yeah, I mean, Nesta had a, had a pretty strong camp. Um, he's an undersized guy and, you know, obviously, you know, seventh-round pick, so it didn't have a lot of buzz going into the draft. But he's been impressive both, both as a run defender and a pass rusher um, so far in camp. And, you know, I think in general their, their kind of vision for the defensive tackle position is for, for it to be more of a position, rotational position throughout the year. Um, you know, I mean – Right now, Jerry Tillery is a starter, but we, we know his weaknesses as a, as a player at this point in his career. I mean, he's, he's not going to be too reliable against the run, and so you're going to have to get some different guys in there. And so I think they want it to be a, a pretty fluid group on the interior. I mean, we, we know who's going to start on the edge. It's just Crosby and, and Jones, and Tyree Wilson will be working in behind them. But you know, I, th- I think they're fine with having that defensive tackle group being, you know, they have guys that they like in different situations that they can throw out there. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if the preseason offseason success is going to translate into the regular season because it's not like they added a bunch of like big name guys to the defensive tackle rotation. These are guys that weren't highly sought after and you know are are more than one or two of them going to just all of a sudden the the, the lights going to turn on for them and they're going to start making a ton of plays like they did in preseason, you know, but we'll, we'll see. They have looked good in the preseason and in the practice i saw them against the rams but the rams have a pretty bad offensive line but you guys saw them against the niners they made plays too so it'll be interesting to see if the d-line group is really as strong as uh we project it to be if it's not they're in trouble because that has to that d-line has to carry the whole defense they have to make life easier for the linebackers and the dbs who 
are still, in my mind, huge question marks. So if that, you know, Crosby and Jones and Wilson don't get pressure and the guys inside don't have a push, then it's going to be a long season. Come on, man. Their, their linebacker group is so deep that they had a linebacker claimed off waivers. Don't sleep on that, the rest of that defense. A guy made plays in the preseason. I mean, those guys stand out. And, uh, again, who knows what that's worth, but you, you got to make plays when you're in there. So um, I'm not sure that speaks to the great depth <laughs> of the but, but it might. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe. I, mean, I, lo- I love Chris Bolton. We all know that. So maybe uh, – Maybe they got something at linebacker. I don't know. Robert Spillane, to me, is still a question mark. I know the coaches have been hyping him, and he's been you know, a positive force leadership-wise and uh, made plays in practice. But uh, he didn't do a lot in Pittsburgh, so I think it's asking him a lot to make a big jump. But you never know. Fresh starts are always good for people, so we'll see what he can do. But to me, uh, still a question mark. I mean, two former Raiders linebackers were claimed off waivers because the, uh, the Chargers grabbed uh, Tanner Muse. Let's not tell him use let, let, let him lie. He's that's in the past. Let's not keep dredging up the special teams war, Daddy. I'm sure he regrets ever saying that. So, good luck to Tanner Muse wherever he. Where do you go? You went to Chargers. Work? Chargers. Uh, well, I guess Raider fans want to want to wish him luck there, but good luck otherwise in, in life. <laughs> oh, a couple of revenge games for Tanner Muse this season. Uh, I mean, it's it's August 31st. Let's see if he's still on the roster by then. Oh, All man, right. There you go again, man. We switched him well. Man, the guy. Negative. Ain't gonna make so much it. negativity. Come on, man. All right. Let's have some fun. It's over under time. We do this every year. We throw out a bunch of stat lines. We, uh, we pick whether or not they will go over or under. And uh, we're going to start at the quarterback. And, uh, you know, let's just be clear. When we're talking about games available for Jimmy Garoppolo, we're not, you know, predicting or betting on injuries or anything like that. You know, we're not <laughs> yes, hoping you are, for though. injuries. You, to- you totally are. <laughs> what? No. What we're doing is we're, we're guessing how many how many games he's going to be available for because of the simple fact that that has been relevant to the success of his teams. I mean, he. You know, you can ask anybody from the 49ers. I mean, when Jimmy Garoppolo has been available, that has impacted their season. His availability has been really one of the biggest factors in how successful the 49ers have been when he was there. So uh, it is a it is a very relevant stat. Um, and so that's why for Jimmy Garoppolo, we have set the games available at 12 and a half. And uh, you know, that is the average number of regular season games he's been available over the last four seasons, uh, starting with 2019, in which he was available for every game. Niners made the Super Bowl. Certainly, to, you know, he's had three Seasons that have ended due to season-ending injury with the uh, the ACL, the uh, the high ankle sprain, and and last year with the uh, the broken foot. But um, twelve and a half games over under. Where are we going, guys? It's all start. I go over, man. I'll be optimistic after all that all that doom and gloom. You know, I, I think the I think the offensive line would be decent. Um, you know, I, I think you know McDaniel's. You know, he's shown he's been able to cater his system to get the ball out quickly, uh, you know, if need be, if the pass rush is an issue or containing the pass rush is an issue, I should say. And, you know, Garoppolo, you know, he isn't the guy that holds on to the ball too long. And so, you know, I think he, he put himself in a position where he doesn't have to take too many hits this year. Um, obviously, it only takes one bad one for, for a major injury to happen. But I don't know, man. I feel like it's his bad luck has to run out at some point, man. You know I mean? He gets all, all these season-ending injuries and, and – random injuries to different parts of his body like I, I, I think he I think he skates by this year stays healthy for most of the season and, and we don't have to see Brian Hoyer out there continuing his losing streak I'll say over because he gets injured every other year that was where I was so, gonna go 
was where I was going to So, go. you know, he got hurt last year. He's going to be healthy this year. He's got the visor on. You know, it's just, it's going to be his year. What is the visor going to do? <laughs> you didn't, you, you did, I don't know. He just looks. <laughs> you don't know. Tougher, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. At least we know his eyes aren't going to get gouged out. You know, the visor is going to protect him from that injury. I was going to abstain because I think this is a deplorable category, but uh, I will continue the positivity and say that Jimmy G-Force will go over. I think, uh, I'm not going to say he's no under, but um, yeah, I think he's feeling good. Some positive mojo, so uh, hopefully that uh, that rides out. Jimmy 9Gs, that's that's what he's supposed to be, right? Jimmy 9Gs now. Jimmy 9Gs, uh, yeah. all right, my bad. It's a name in progress. We're, we're yeah, troubleshooting yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 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 working on yeah. All right, yeah. I'm, I'm going the over two. I mean, no one was gonna say the under. That's why it's a dumb category. Who's gonna say, yeah, he's gonna get hurt? He's fragile. They're fucked. Oh, sorry. Oops, we're screwed. Not nah, a cuss anymore. I took a new season resolution. Let's make it more interesting now. The we'll, we'll combine these next two uh, passing yards set at three thousand, just an even three thousand passing touchdowns at nineteen and a half. Um, you know, in terms of three thousand. Uh, he's averaged uh, 235.9 passing yards per game over the last four seasons. So if he plays that over uh, over that average, if he plays 13 games, that's a 3,066-yard season. Touchdowns at 19.5, he's averaged about 1.5 touchdowns per game over the last four seasons. At 13 games, that would be exactly 19.5. So 3,000 yards and 19.5 touchdowns, does he get there? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the only way to go under on those is if you go under on the games played. I mean, those are pretty pedestrian numbers there i mean if if, if he's healthy and then he doesn't have three thousand yards and 20 touchdowns i mean that means something bad very bad must have happened to the offensive line and, and pass catcher unit or something of that nature and so i think it'll go over um i, th- I think he'll have a pretty solid season um i think he'll protect i know we don't have interceptions here but i think he'll probably protect the ball a little bit better than, than Derek carr did last year but yeah I, th- I think he goes over on both of these yeah, I have the over as well. I looked up Derek's numbers. Derek was 35, 22, and 24. They told him to hit the bricks. So if he doesn't get those numbers, then uh, the whole thing was uh, not good. So I think, yeah, it goes over both those numbers uh, for Jimmy G. Yeah, if he stays healthy, he's going over. And we all have him staying healthy. So uh, over. I said I'm going over on, on all both of them. All right, we're going to Josh Jacobs. Um, Set his numbers at 1,185 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 40 receptions. Um, those are Jacobs' averages per season over four NFL seasons. So he's averaged 1,185 yards, he's averaged 11 rushing touchdowns, and he's averaged 40 catches, um, which is uh, it's a pretty good running back, I'll just say. So uh, are, are we predicting, basically, are we predicting an above-average season for Jacobs? Uh, so give me your uh, over-under on all three of those numbers. Yeah, I mean, the last time we saw him going into an expiring contract with having to prove himself, he was pretty much the best running back in football. So I think he's going to be pretty motivated this season. Um, I know we've kind of talked about whether he has a slow start to the season or not, but eventually he's going to obviously get in football shape and hit his groove. And offensive line, we have our questions, but I mean, we had our questions last year and he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. And so I expect him to have another big year, be be an elite back for another season. And I think he, he clears the over on these. Yeah, I would say over the yardage, but it's closer than we think it is because I don't remember the exact stat, but players that have had as many touches as Jacobs had last season typically don't do well the next season. And, you know, if he does have a ramp up period and if they do want to bring down his his touches this year, maybe 
that yardage total is a little tougher to get to, but I, I will say it's over. I just don't know if he's going to get close to the number he had last year. And touchdowns, I would say under maybe if they do want to limit his touches, giving Zamir White some goal line carries would be the the area where you do want to give him some carries. And receptions, um, I'll go over on receptions. Doing the same thing as Ted, taking under on the yards because – I mean, 11.85, that is his average, but that's also, he's only, last year is the only year he's exceeded that. He had 11.50 as a, as a rookie, um, second and third seasons were, especially the third season was a little bit down before he exploded last year. So, I mean, I, I think he is, has a good season, but I think he's a little bit under probably, you know, probably more in the 1100 range rather than going over 11.85. I'm going to take the under on the 10 touchdowns, you know, I'll give him eight or nine, but I'm going to take the over on the receptions, um. 40 catches. I, I think you'll you'll see Jimmy Garoppolo dumping off to the uh, the running back, checking down a little bit, and, uh, and and getting some getting the ball in his hands out in space a little bit there. So I'll take over on the catches. Here's my question, and I'm not saying this is what Josh is thinking, but if I were Josh Jacobs, what's my motivation to have a great year this year? Why, why am I doing this again? Because they're going to tag me again next year, or if I come up and have a decent year, a good year, I might miss a game or two. Then I hit the market. I hit the free agent market, right? I mean, so what's my motivation to have a great year? I mean, I don't understand. I'm sure Josh is going to play hard and he likes his teammates and yada, yada, yada. But down deep, I, I question what – I mean, he proved it last year and I didn't get anything for it. So why would you do that again and get tagged again next year? And not, so I think it goes over after saying all of that because – I do think the Raiders are going to feed him the ball. Raiders don't have long-term plans for Josh, I don't believe. So they're going to use him until he drops. I think, yeah, obviously, he's one of the best running backs in the league, so why wouldn't you? So I think he'll go over in every every category. But to me, if I were Josh Jacobs, I wouldn't be killing myself. With his franchise tag being over $14 million now, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of hard to – Is that? do we really see them picking that number up? Even if, let's say he has, I don't know, a comparable year to last year, maybe a little bit worse. $14 million franchise tag? Like, I don't know. I feel like it's more so playing for to increase his value once he hits the open market. Like, I think he's going to be a free agent next year, really, either way. And so if you go out and ball out, it increases your chances to get a bet. So you think if Josh leads league in rushing next, this next season, they won't tag him? I think they'll have to tag him again because I think, especially in the locker room. At least for the trade value, right? Yeah, I think you have I mean, yeah. So trade value, I think um, – and also, you got you can't tell your locker room like that. That was the case this year. Hey, this guy sacrificed his body, played hurt, led the league in rushing. I uh, wouldn't want him back. He can, hit, you know, like I said earlier, hit the bricks. But you got to tag him this year, and you got to tag him next year if he repeats what he did this season. So, again, if I were him, I'd be like, no thanks. I'm just going to get my ten fifty and you know whatever five touchdowns, and I'll see you guys on the on the flip side. But. That's just me. I'm not, I'm not Josh Jacobs. So I'm sure he's going to play hard. and I, I think they will feed him the rock a lot, so I think those numbers uh, are, are in jeopardy. All right, let's move on to Zamir White. Set his numbers at 118 carries, 466 yards, and four touchdowns. The reasoning for those numbers is that's what Kenyon Drake and Peyton Barber combined to produce in 2021, wow. which is the last year that Jacobs truly had a backup running back. I mean, the Raiders essentially treated last season as if he did not have a backup running back. So uh, can Zamir White do what uh, what Drake and Barber combined to do in 2021? No, I'm going under on all three. I, I, I'm not uh, – we kind of did this last year. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I just 
you know, like like Vic said, I wasn't really. It's not that he looks bad; he just doesn't look ready to be like a, a major contributor yet. I think he's still um, coming along, really in all phases as a running back, and I'm expecting Jacobs to stay healthy. And so, with him, with you know, unless he suffers an injury that that causes him to miss some pretty substantial time, it just seems like it's hard pressed for for Zamir to get this many carries and, and as a result, this much production. I would go under too. I mean, I I can only go off of what I've seen, and he just does not did not look very good in preseason. I wouldn't be surprised if the the Raiders had another backup running back by the end of the year. So I I would go under on, on Zamir White. I don't know. Maybe he's killing it in practice. Maybe you know he he's ripping off runs in practice that you know we don't see. But I only could go off what what we see. Yeah, I agree. Last year I was driving the Zamir White train. I, I've parked the train and I've gotten off. So um, I think he's a good kid. Obviously, I think he's a good back. I'm not sure he's um, showing the upside you want to see. I think Amir Abdul will get a lot of third down touches also, like you mentioned earlier. So to me, I'll, I'll go under. And if I'm wrong, then I'll be wrong. But I think um, those are pretty optimistic numbers uh, for Zamir White. All right. I'm taking the under as well on all three numbers. Um... All right, let's move ourselves on to the receivers. Devontae Adams, we'll, we'll try to speed things up a little bit. We got him at 97.3 receptions, 1,244 yards, and 11.9 touchdowns. Those are Adams' average over the last seven seasons, uh, essentially became, since his third year in Green Bay when he you know, became you know, a featured part of that offense. Um, that's what he's averaged, 97.3 catches, 1,244 yards, and 11.9 touchdowns. Where does he go this year? I'll go first. I got the over in all of them. I think um, we, we talk about we'll talk about Jimmy G, can't throw deep, yada yada yada. But he really hasn't had a receiver as good as Devontae Adams, who get who just gets open. And I think it'll be a focus for the offense to get him the ball early and often. I think you know when he said earlier this offseason that he, he was not on the same page as the as McDaniel's and the Raiders brass. I'm sure they they took note of that and they'll make sure he's happy as much as they can. So and he's I think the best receiver in football. So I have the over. Uh, Overs across the board. Still taking him over Justin Jefferson? Hey, man, I'm a, I guess I'm a homer. In fantasy, would you draft – you would draft uh, Adams over Jefferson? Vic's connection, I think, just cut out. It uh, did cut out. Um, <laughs> I think about it. I don't know. I mean um, – you're a liar. You know, we didn't take Justin. Just, just you take Justin Jefferson. We all would. But I think I think Devontae goes over on all three. I mean, he had a pretty inefficient season last season. I think his his catch rate was the second lowest of his career. To have like 200 targets, so it didn't really matter. But um, I think they they found a way to make him more efficient this year. You know, he didn't, and hopefully that that deeper receiver room takes some of the pressure off of him to be, you know, really the the sole threat that they have in, in that area. I, I think he clears these. You know, maybe the, maybe the catch number might get a little, maybe that might go down to the wire, but I, th- I think the yards and touchdowns will clear pretty easily. All right, maybe the math doesn't check out on, on this prediction, but I would say over on the catches, under on yards and touchdowns. I, I think he'll get a lot of short passes this year. Obviously, the deep passes are going to take a hit. You know, I think they'll probably spread the ball out a, a little bit more, but I, I just don't think he's going to produce as far as the yardage and touchdown rate, uh, as much as he did um, in, in previous seasons. Why are you hating on Jimmy 9Gs, man? It's terrible. I mean, look, it's debatable whether you like Garoppolo better than Carr, but maybe this is his worst quarterback he, he's had in his career. Obviously. I feel like, like, obviously he's worse than Aaron Rodgers, but 
whether he has the, the the worst worst quarterback or not, like I think there's a chance the offense could be better this year. I think I think we've talked about that. I think you know, even if Garoppolo isn't better, like he has a better knowledge of the system, he's more comfortable. Um, there's going to be less confusion when it comes to checks at the line of scrimmage and just the system overall. You know, he may not have the same chemistry um, as with Devontae as Carr did, but I mean, we saw last year that chemistry really didn't make them all that efficient since you know his catch rate was so low. So I, I don't think that necessarily guarantees that, that Devontae is, is going to have a, a worse season. Also, he's a guy that even if he's not catching a, a deep ball, like he's a great yards after the catch guy. So it might be like a short pass, but, you know, he can turn those into, we've seen it, you know, 20, 30, 40 yard gains. And so I'm, I'm not betting against that guy. I, I feel like he'll he'll figure it out unless he has, you know, Brian Hoyer um, back there for some reason at, the, at some point this season. I think even if it was Brian Hoyer or Ted Winter quarterback, I think Devontae gets his numbers. All right, I've got him over on the catches, over on the yards. I mean, Ted, come on. If he's catching 100 balls. I know. That's why I said maybe the math. Yeah, his, his, career, his, his, career average is, his career average is 12 and a half yards per catch, which is actually probably lower than I would, would think. But, yeah, I mean, so if he's catching 100 balls, that's 1,250 yards. So, I mean, if he, you, you could have him catch 98 balls and he hits the over and his career average would have the uh, the yards under so your math does sort of work out but i do have him under on the touchdowns garoppolo has never been a huge touchdown pass guy he had 27 uh one year so i i have a feeling there they might go a few different directions on the touchdowns but you know maybe adams only gets like 10 or 11 looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's move on. Hunter Renfro, 69 and a half receptions, 684 yards, five and a half touchdowns. Pretty big numbers compared to where he was at last season, but those are his averages over four NFL seasons. So uh, where are we going? I'll go first. Uh, I'll have the unders, I think. Um, like I said, a good camp, but I still think they have um, added two slot guys and DeAndre Carter and Trey Tucker. So and I don't really, still don't really know what Hunter's long-term um, picture is there with the Raiders. So I would think the under is a pretty safe bet based on spreading the ball around. They're going to get Tucker involved in different ways. I think Carter will definitely also be a factor. So uh, I'll take the unders. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, bu- I'm bullish on, on Renfro probably a little bit more than 
he seems like people are down on him right now, but I think I'll go over over for him. I think he has a bounce back season. Um, I do I understand that part of his, you know, I guess you could say breakout Pro Bowl season was, you know, Waller getting hurt and obviously, you know, some of the off the field stuff that happened, he kind of unexpectedly became their number one receiver. But um, even without that, I think these numbers are, they aren't too crazy. I mean, like 70 catches, basically 700 yards. Like I, th- I think, you know, even if he's the number two or, or number three option sometimes, I, I think, you know, as long as Garoppolo stays upright and, and his offense is humming like I think, think it will be, uh, I think he gets over these numbers. I think this is a pretty good line. It, it, it's tough. Uh, I would say his his statistics are pretty close to, to this line. I, I would probably say a little under. I think he's probably be the number three option after Jacoby Myers. I, and I don't know if they're going to be passing, you know, 30 times a game with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'll, I'll go under on these numbers. All right. I'm going to go under on the yards and catches. And I'm going to go over on the touchdowns. <laughs> I love Renfro as much as the next guy. You know, I'm just I'm being realistic. All right. I'm going to go under on the catches and yards. And I'm going to go over on the touchdowns. I, I say he gets six touchdowns. Um, you know, he's, we know what he, what kind of a route runner he is in the uh, in the red zone. And so I think uh, you could see him and Garoppolo kind of developing that goal line rapport where, uh, you know, he, he runs those crazy routes down inside the, the you know, the seven, eight, five yard line. And uh, he, he gets open for, uh, for six, maybe seven touchdowns. So under on the catches and yards over on the touchdowns. All right. Michael Mayer, um, rookie tight end. We're going for this. Uh, we're going with his projected numbers from uh, Jake Steely's fantasy cheat sheet. Um, figured that would be the best way to uh, project some numbers. And he's got him with 44 catches, 483 yards and four touchdowns doing the math i think i have to go under on these i can't unless i have jimmy throwing for five thousand yards or something like that um because I, I do think jacoby myers is gonna be pretty good austin hooper is probably gonna get a good amount of snaps at least early on in the season while mayor is still coming on along as a blocker and, and figuring things out and they have just a, a deep receiver room overall and we're expecting them to feed josh jacobs a lot so it's like i mean if this is the best offense in the league i guess you know maybe everybody can go over but I'm going to go under on, on Mayer, just largely going off, off the math and, and the adjustment that rookie tight ends usually have to make. I agree. I have the under across the board. I think uh, Hooper will definitely be in the mix enough so that he won't get those numbers. And also, it's going to be a rookie, you know, learning curve. And like Deshaun said, there's a lot of weapons and uh, not that many targets to go around, I think, as far as him getting those kind of numbers. But uh, I think I'll have flashes, but definitely not, not those numbers. I would say under, and I, you know, don't get discouraged by it. Rookie t- tight ends typically struggle, and I think we'll see some rookie tight ends around the league um, have pretty good seasons too. But they're just different types of tight ends. They're more like slot receivers, and you know, I think Mayer is a good pick, and he'll end up being better next year. But I don't, I just don't think he's going to produce a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, you consider you know, what did George Kittle do as a rookie? Uh, he was under in terms of that reception and touchdown total over on the yards. And I mean, he obviously was a fifth round pick, a guy that, you know, nobody really had expectations of, but that was, you know, and he he played with Garoppolo at the end of that last, you know, the end of that season. So uh, yeah, might as well go the under and, and let's see if he can, you know, start developing into something and hopefully by next year, he's ready to to make a big leap. All right, let's jump over to the defense and uh, we'll go with our, our buddy, Max Crosby. Uh, we have his over-under set at 9.4. That is his average over the last four seasons. Yeah, I'll go over. I know Max has been a guy that's been more so known for getting a lot of pressures, more so than like having these big sack seasons. But, you know, I, I still think he cracks into double digits um, this season, even if that trend continues. I mean, he's, he's obviously the 
you know, arguably the, the best player on the team, the best player on the defense, and, and one of the, the best players overall in the league. And um, I, don't, I don't see him slowing down. He's, he's maintained that crazy offseason work ethic that he has that, that Vic's written, written about. And so he's looked excellent in the preseason and training camp, which I don't think you know, surprises anybody. So I think he keeps it up again for another year. Yeah, I'm going to go over to you. Know, he, he's gotten progressively better and better at finishing sacks uh, throughout his career. You know, when I talked to him earlier, his offseason said he's been working on his grip strength, which is uh, one of the major reasons why he's gotten better. And he's been working on it like crazy this season. And he said the game's kind of slowed down for him as far as when he is approaching the quarterback. So I, I think he's going to go over easily on this 9.4. I'm going to go just to fire up Max. I'll go with the under. And it's not so much about him. I think, obviously, he's a great player. He's got the amazing work ethic, and he, he gets better every year. But I think there'll be enough this year help on the D-line. I think Chandler Jones and Tyree Wilson and Malcolm Kuntz will get some sacks, the guys inside. So I'll say more sacks overall for the guys he plays with on the front line. And therefore, I think he'll come in, in a nine. He'll just miss it. Uh, nine sacks for Max Cross. But tons of pressures. He'll be a factor. He'll be a force. But just stat-wise, I'll say nine sacks. Well, I'm going to take the over. Um, the hell with you, Vic. You you, you can piss off Max, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you deal with that. That's fine. I'll take That's the good. over. All right. Chandler Jones, 6.9 sacks is what we're setting him at. That is uh, the context there is Jones has averaged 0.46 sacks per game over the last three seasons. If he were to play 15 games, and he has played 15 games the last two seasons, and at, le- and at least 15 games in seven of the past eight seasons, that would equate to 6.9 sacks. So that's where his rate has been the last couple of years. Um, does he uh, does he exceed that? Do we know why he was injured and why he was held out at those so many training camp practices? Yeah, Tashawn knows. He just refuses to report it because he, he's just keeping okay. secrets. Can you at least tell us it's going to be lingering into the season? No, I mean, he was out there practicing yesterday, <laughs> um, back today. He'll, he'll be ready to go for week one. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. I, I think... I'm buying into a little bit how he came on strong towards the end of last season and started to have some good play. Um, you know, he's, he's in better shape now. Um, he, he's gonna looks like he's gonna be healthy to start start the season at least. Um, and uh, I, I think overall, I think the pass rush will be better because I think the defensive line is gonna be improved. I think Max Crosby is gonna get some some more help, and I think the interior pass rush will be better. Uh, I mean, we've been hyping up the defensive tackles. All, all off season so far. So um, if that carries over to the season, I think it'll get easier on the edge guys. And so, you know, I think he gets over. I don't know how how high over it might be like seven, you know, so it might be like just over that 6.9. But, you know, I, I think he has a, but probably, probably still not the season that, that, you know, you would hope for given his contract, but I think it'll be better than, than this mark. Well, the only way I can sell taking the under on max to max is taking the over everybody else. So I'm taking the over. I think it's a trap line, though, 6.9, so six and a half, it should be 6.5. I don't think it might have a chance for a push, but uh, I'll take the over. I'll we don't want pushes it. here. We don't want no pushes. Pu- no pushes. All right, fine. I'll take the over. I think, like I said, the rest of the D-line takes a step up and uh, takes advantage of all the attention that Max gets, so I'll say 8.5 sacks. I'll go over, too. Injury kind of scared me in the beginning because, you know, I, if it's a lingering injury for an older player, then that's going to be a big deal. But if Deshaun says over, then <laughs> I'm going to go over, too. I think he has a bounce-back season. All right, I'm taking the under. Sorry, uh, I, I can be the one that uh, that pisses off Chandler Jones. So, taking the under. What's the reason? I, I just uh, <laughs> got to see it. Got to see it to believe it. Got to see that he can stay out there and, you know, and, and produce. I mean, we saw what he we saw what he did last year. I mean, he, he 
did not prove it last year. Um, yeah, he came on toward the end of the season, and um, maybe he exceeds this number if he doesn't get hurt and misses the last couple of games. But um, I've got to see him go out there and, and, and be healthy and be productive before yeah, I'm, I'm buying. Face slammed Mac Jones, took the lateral all the way back, one of the greatest wins in the history that of the That was because he had, he had something set up with Jacoby Myers, his future teammate. <laughs> he had something set up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was when he started the recruiting push for uh, Jacoby Myers. To come. No. All right. We got uh, two more individual ones, a couple team ones. We'll try to wrap up. I know we're going long here. Our producer is probably getting mad. Chill out, Brian. Yeah, fuck, fuck that guy. All right. Tyree Wilson, seven sacks. Uh, that is uh, what he's had each of the last two seasons <sighs> at Texas Tech. Yeah, I'm going under. I think um, coming off of injury, obviously, they held him out of OTAs and most of training camp. And there, there's always that Ricky learning curve. I think he. You know, in his brief preseason appearance, you saw some of the traits that, that make them excited about him. But he also, like, you know, miscontained on one of those touchdown runs from Greer and basically just overran him on a potential sack. And so he's going to have some growing pains. He's also coming off the bench. Um, I think they're going to limit him early in the season as he continues to work himself back in the, in the form. You know, maybe it'll help him that he's, he's he's a guy that can play inside as well. And so there might be some situations where he's on he's sharing the field with Crosby and Jones, even though he's a backup. But I think he's going to have relatively pedestrian numbers this season, and it's more so about seeing those flashes as he as he builds for the future. Yeah, I'm going under too. I think with him being a rotational player, you know, being him being a very raw player, if he gets three sacks and a, you know a, a nice pressure rate, that would be a pretty successful rookie season for him. Seven sacks would be huge. I mean, he gets seven sacks, you're, you're you know you're ecstatic. The number seven, seven. I'm taking a push. I'm taking seven exactly. Because I want to take the over, like I just said, because all about that's a lot. So I'm going to go seven uh, just because uh, I think Malcolm Kuntz will have some sacks this year also. So uh, I'll say seven to keep up the optimism but not be totally uh, foolish and say over. All right, yeah, I'm taking the, the under as well. I mean, seven is what he got at the college level, and obviously that's fewer games and, and whatnot. But, I mean, he, he's not like he was a guy that was going out there and delivering like 12, 13, 14 sack seasons at the college level. So I don't see him jumping into the NFL and immediately hitting a huge total. But uh, but something going to fall into his lap with, you know, you got Max and Chandler and maybe they have to play a yeah, little side Yeah, I mean, the best defensive bit. line in the league, you know. Yeah, they're going to fall into his lap, top man. Top five, top ten Adam, defense. Adam you know, Butler making gonna, a push up front. Jerry Tilly. Guys are just going to slide down because they don't want to get like, hit oh, by this team. They're going to fall into his arms. Seven, no problem. All right. Well, I said I didn't want pushes, but that that's that's a fair push. And uh, th- this next screw, this screw next you, Jimmy. One, I took a push. This next one uh, is could could definitely be another push one. Uh, Marcus Peters. We set him at three interceptions. Context there. He's had at least three interceptions every season of his career, except for last season. You know, he's coming on an off injury. The Raiders, meanwhile, have not had a player with three interceptions since Jeff Heath in 2020, and they haven't had a cornerback. Wow. Who, who knows the last cornerback to have three interceptions for the Raiders? David Amerson. No. Amerson, no. They've actually, it's more recent than that. Three picks in a year? Oh, what's his name? Um, was it with under Gus Bradley? No. It wasn't ah. Casey Hayward. He dropped too many balls. Okay, uh, it wasn't Casey Hayward. I thought it was Casey Hayward. No, he dropped a bunch. Uh... There's some music in the back of Brian. Deshaun, Deshaun has already has already read the notes, so he knows. So that's why he's staying quiet. But was a first round pick. DJ Hayden. I knew, I knew that was wrong. I just want to say Gary on Conley. Wow, Gary on Conley. 2018 had three. Wow. I'm going to go over it. I'm going to over. It. I'm, I'm all in on the resurgence of Marcus Peters you know, coming off the torn ACL a couple of years ago. Um, he's 
seems like as soon as he got here, just everybody started coming up with interceptions in practice. Um, you know, he's he's looked good. Um, I think he looks closer to his his typical form. He, he kind of, I mean, not kind of, he struggled last year uh, coming off that injury. I think he bounces back this year. And he's a guy that, I mean, when he's healthy, he pretty much always makes plays on the ball. And so I, th- I think he keeps it up this year. Yeah, I'm going over too. I think he gets five. 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 Wow. Jimmy, what do you got? I'm pushing. I'm pushing here. Three exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, three exactly. I, I'm at the, Cowards. I feel like the right number. Cowards. He had a hundred. He had a hundred in the off season. Come on, be better. <laughs> you took my push, man. I'll. Uh, you can join me. I think all that stuff, all the background and yada yada, so many interceptions. But I think it's all just a jinx. I'll say under, under three. I'll go two, two picks. Another guy that comes to the Raiders and forgets how to do what he does. All right, we're gonna combine these next two uh, defense totals. We're gonna go fifteen total forced turnovers and thirty total sacks. Um, Neither of which are, are large totals. Um, the rate, but 15 is the number of turnovers the Raiders have averaged over the last five seasons, in which their best season was 2018 when they had 17 to rank 24th. Uh, since then, uh, they, have, they, have, they were last in the league last year with 13, and they've ranked every year uh, between 30th and 32nd. They only have 75 takeaways since 2018. That's uh, 10 fewer than the next lowest total, which is the Lions with 85. Uh, and then the 30 total sacks... I went a little bit up from their total. They were 30th in the league last year with 27. They've only averaged 25.6 sacks per season over the last five seasons, the worst total in the league. I couldn't list an average number. I, ha- I wanted to go above it. So 30, uh, we, we have this rejuvenated pass rush, rejuvenated defense. Uh, so 15 turnovers, 30 sacks. What do we think? You said they had, they had 13 turnovers last year? 13 forced turnovers, The, the yeah. number this year is 15? Yeah, if they don't get 15, then fire everybody. So, I mean, 15, that's only two more than last year. And last year, they were terrible. So, to me, that's an easy over. And then the sacks, I'm going to say they double it. They're going to get 60 sacks. So what? Way, 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 way over. 60 sacks. sacks? I haven't written about Have you D- got Max going under 9.4? <laughs> like, that was like, got, that was like the Eagles sacks. last year. I got Spillane and Diablo getting five each. I got Marcus Epps getting three or four. I'm going big. Going big. And Max getting eight or nine. I get nine. He gets nine. He gets nine. Chandler gets eight and a half. I got Chandler's Wilson getting, getting eighteen. At I got this Wilson rate. getting seven. Coons getting five. Like Ted says, do the math, man. It adds up. What's what kind of strain we got going there? Curtis Bolt. Curtis Bolton getting three or four. Right, it adds up, man. That's some good shit. Man. All right, Ted. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going over on both. I don't know about sixty sacks, but I'm go- I'm going over on both. I mean. Turnovers, it fluctuates. I, I know the Raiders have been pretty bad in, in takeaways from year to year. So I think all that luck reverses this year and they get they get a bunch of turnovers. And um I yeah, I would go way over to sacks. So not 60, but you know, I uh, 40, 45 sacks. Yeah, I'll go I'll go over on both. Um it has to end at some point. It's kind of my Garoppolo answer, but uh yeah, I mean like 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 Vic said with the turnovers, I mean like that's not fifteen isn't even close to average. Like the average in NFL last year was twenty-two. So, so, like, we're asking them to be, like, significantly below average. If they can't do that, that don't, I think we probably have some changes before the end of the season. Um, so, I think they go over on, on both. 15 is their average, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going comfortably over on both. I, I mean, it better be. Like, it just – it they, be, they better be. Like like Vic said, uh, people are getting fired. Patrick Graham is not having the job if they're not, uh, I think, comfortably over on both. All right, last question here before we get out of here. And it's a big one. Wins. 
The over-under, we're going with BetMGM's latest Raiders win total of 6.5. We'll also note that the Athletics' uh, Austin Mock, he has his model that projects 7.5 wins, but we're going to go with uh, that BetMGM total of 6.5. And, and, and along with it, give us what your what your exact record is and, and where they, they finish in the AFC West. I'll go over. My range is 7 to 10. I'm not giving exact numbers. What? Hell of a range. Get the, get the, get the uh, range. That's the range for like every team no, in the NFL. No, like 90% no, of the NFL is going to be between 7 and 10. All right, all right fine, Se- fine. Nine, seven, nine, seven nine, nine. Nine. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> the, the optimistic end of my range, I'll say nine. Explain why. You know, I think the offense is going to be better at Garoppolo. I think the defense is going to be better. I just don't see them winning 11 games and getting to one of the upper Eklion, uh playoff spots. So I, I would say 10 is pretty – I mean, 9 is pretty fair. And what do you have them finishing in the division second? You know, I did do all that math. So I, I, probably third. I'm going with over. I got them at eight wins. I think uh, there will be, you know, some improvement. I think the schedule is really, really, really tough. I think the opening four games, you look at, you know, they're at Denver, at Buffalo, home against the Steelers, at the Chargers. Man, that's going to be hard to survive those first four games. I mean, and I do. At Denver? I mean, that, I mean do you think the Raiders are better than the Broncos? I, don't know. I mean, I think it's pretty close. I think you look at the, is there, is there possibly a huge coaching mismatch in that matchup? There might be. I mean, so I don't know. I think that's a, and plus at Denver, it's a tough place to play. I think Russell Wilson's going to bounce back here. So I think that's a tough game. I think that's a huge game for them to, to win. I think if they survive the first four games, two and two, I think that'd be a great, great, great start. So, uh, yeah, I think the D-line's improved, obviously. I have them for 60 freaking sacks. So that's enough to get them a little past last year's mark. Again, no, I think it's a tough division. I mentioned the, the Broncos, I think, are better. The Chargers, when I watched them two days at, at, at their camp this year, I was really impressed. I think Herbert is uh, pretty ridiculous um, when you watch him live for two days. Defense looks better. Uh, and, and so I think it's, it's going to be tough to finish, uh, finish third in that division. So I have, uh, I have eight wins. Do you know how many teams had 60 or more sacks last season? Why, gotta be like, why are we talking math, man? I'm just telling you my, my gut feeling. I've written about the D-line 85 times this offseason. I'm all in. I'm all in on the D-line. It's 67. But give me your answer. What's, what's your answer? One. The Eagles had 70, and uh, nobody else had more than 55. I mean, if I had a time machine, I'd probably go back in time <laughs> about 15 minutes. I might have said 50, because same shock value, <laughs> but not totally crazy, so... If I go back and edit this, we'll say 50, but I'm sticking with it. I mean, they're going to have a big year. I'm all in. All right. I'm, I'm going the over. I don't want to say, I don't want to take Vic's win total of eight. So I'll, I'll go seven and 10. I want to go eight and nine. Go and eight third nine. place That's in the right, AFC man. West. I'll go eight and nine. On, eight and nine, third place in the AFC West. Um, it's a season that doesn't, you know, it, it's kind of like, Kind of still has us at the end of the year saying, where are they? What what, what kind of a team are they? But, um, you know, if, if you're looking for the optimistic view is is that hopefully the defense has shown that, uh, you know, that what we've seen in the preseason is uh, is real and that they are making some signs of, uh, of progress and that, you know, maybe a year of investment in the offensive line allows them to, to be a more complete team. So eight and nine, third place, AFC West. I'm going under, man. I'm going under. I have them had, I actually have them getting worse this year. I'm going five and twelve, last in the division. My favorite part of this is you're the guy that said hater at least four times in this podcast, <laughs> and now you're hating. 
yeah, it's not hate. It's not hate. I wasn't hating on the individual players. Oh, all the so all mean, the players but, 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 are going to The team's going to be terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, I've been pretty consistent this off season. I, I think they got worse, um, or or at best, you know, made a linear moves in terms of the uh, the quality of their roster. Uh, I think their schedule is pretty tough. Um, you know, I guess you could say last year you know, they lost a bunch of close games. They should have been better than what they were, but. You know, bad teams find a way to lose, and and um, you know they they have a tougher slate this year, and I don't think they're going to be able to get away with some of the the flaws that they have in terms of the offensive line still being questionable, the overall defense still being. I still, you know, even though like we think they're going to get better, we're saying they're going to get better than like the worst possible marks that you can possibly be. I still still think it's going to be a fairly below average defense overall, um, and so that combined with their schedule and the division that they're in, and, and largely just AFC. Just being a, a pretty hellacious conference overall, um, I, I think this is another rough year for the Raiders. Five and twelve—that uh, that would not be good for Josh McDaniels. Uh, Vic, does he make it back after five and twelve? I mean, tough one. I think. Uh, I, th- I mean, I do think he's safe, but five wins—if the crowd, if the fans at home turned on him and the team and it got ugly—I could definitely see Mark Davis uh, doing a, a rethink about what his plans were. But um, yeah, I mean, but. Like you said, I, I I get it. I mean, you can't really say for sure the roster's better than it was last year. And people talk about the the close losses last year. They also won a game where a receiver threw the ball thirty yards backwards to Chandler Jones. Their so. receiver now. He's he's their guy now though. <laughs> so I'm saying that also should count towards that, that record last year. Like people are like, oh, they they should have better record. Well, they, they shouldn't have won that game. I mean, what if those two overtime games where they, you know, Josh Jacobs with the 86 whatever yard run i mean if that doesn't go their way i mean there, there's there's ways last season could have gone a lot worse exactly you can always go back and forth and analyze it either way but uh no i like his points i mean i definitely there's definitely a downside to the season for sure i mean if the roster guys they added don't click and again that schedule is freaking it's freaking brutal all right well that is our season preview edition uh plenty of stuff to chew on and we'll uh, we'll try to come back and revisit all of our predictions at the end of the season um vic will uh We'll toast Vic after the Raiders get their 60th sack. Um, 50. And, We're going to uh, go back and edit that. We're making a 50 in the edits. <laughs> no, there's no take backs. They're getting 60 sacks. Josh Jacobs is rushing for 1,600 yards, and they're losing seven games this season. <laughs> All right, guys. We will talk to you again next week. Adios. All right, Joe. All right, guys. Later. And then the sacks... I'm going to say double it. They're going to get 60 sacks. So what? Way, 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 way 60 over sacks. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.